all bad things. Tragedy. Tragedies, disasters. That's bad things. Trigger warning for everything possible. What? I'm Rachel. And I'm David. And this is All Bad Things. Welcome, everybody. Welcome. Follow us Insta, Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, Twitch, at All Bad Things Pod. Email us, allbadthingspod at gmail.com. Join our Facebook discussion group and our Discord. Do all of those things. <laughs> it's hard to remember there, all there, that. There are a lot of things. <laughs> if you are a person that has <clears throat> done all those things, let us know. Yeah, that, that'd be interesting. Has anyone will, reached the... We will give you a special reward. Will we? We'll just mention you. <laughs> it's not hard to be mentioned on this No, it is not. Really. <laughs> that, is, that is your special reward. There you go. If you so choose. Mm. Well, I wanted to, speaking of being mentioned on the podcast, I wanted to read this special email. Do you remember our friend, Sarah Q? Oh, yeah. yeah it's been brought, a minute. Yeah, it's been a while. Uh-huh. So, it's been like four years, probably. It's, it's, been, it's been a bit. Well, let's get caught up here. Mm-hmm. Hi, Rachel and David. It's been a while. <laughs> I recently started listening to your podcast again, and I was so happy to see you guys were still going strong. Nice. Yeah. I finished my undergrad degree, and I'm now working on an MA in animal studies. Wow. Yeah, because I just want to be a student in student debt forever, I guess. <laughs> I'm happy to be of reference in any episodes that heavily feature animals, especially Bears. Oh, my thesis topic. I'm I sure bet, we can find a bear episode. I bet yeah, we've never Sarah, done a bear. Well, not to we? not to spoil anything, but we may have a listener script oh, around. Okay. Let me just say that I think uh, Nicole and Sarah need to collaborate at yes, some point. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, my podcast listening in general is a little sporadic these days because my schedules are crazy. But I'm trying to incorporate more time for listening. I look forward to catching up on your backlogs and seeing what you do next. Sincerely, Sarah Q, an Orthodox Jew, almost done with a grad program at NYU. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for checking in, Sarah. That's great. Wow. It's blast from the past. It's weird to think that we've been on at this point for almost six years. Mm -hmm. Five and a half. Eat more than. Yeah. Yeah. Uh huh. So, yeah, she was probably one of the. One of our earliest listeners that actually like reached out to us. Yes, yes, that's correct. Yeah, so which at the time we thought was just we were like over the moon. We we're like that oh my anyone God, was like, somebody's listening. <laughs> we still are, just to be clear. <laughs> yes. just to be clear. Just a little more used to it now. Right? Yeah, I guess so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, at the time it was just like, wow, somebody's responding. Yes, exactly. Somebody's <laughs> using the social meds. Yes. Well, it was email. Even that. And so this is episode 299. Unreal. I know. I know. Indeed. <laughs> <laughs> and since I am uh, getting ready for episode 300 and 301 and 302, just a hint. Hint, hint. Hint, hint. Three-parter coming up. Um, 
We're doing listener script <laughs> for two ninety nine. <laughs> Since we've got a nice little arsenal. Where else would we rather be <laughs> than with a listener script because we need one on the fly? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And you guys are keeping them coming. Yes. And please continue yeah. to do so. Don't oh my stop. goodness. Never, oh my goodness. Don't stop, stop never, never stopping. stopping. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. So this script comes from us from R. New frequent script contributor, Mick. Okay, nice. And this is the story. Uh, remember, so first of all, remember, Mick is big into German history. Sure. And I believe lives in Germany, if I'm not mistaken. Sorry, Mick, if I got that wrong, because I, I'm trying to remember back to your first email. Um, but Mick very helpfully puts a lot of pronunciation for the German words. Yes. Comes <laughs> in handy. appreciate that very much, Mick. So this is the story of the Hirsch catastrophe. Okay. So the date is 5th of April, 1906. Okay. The location is Nagold, Württemberg, German Empire. Uh, casualties, over 50 killed, over 100 injured. That's too many. So let's find out what this catastrophe is. Uh, it's coming up on 117 years. It now. is 117 years ago, yeah. In mm-hmm. 10 days? What? Like, yeah, something yeah, like that. Yeah, something like that, yeah. So the town of Nagold, nestled on the northern edge of the Black Forest, which I have heard of, is exactly what one pictures when conjuring up an image of a fairy tale German town. Half timbered buildings, a market square, a ruined castle overlooking the river, surrounded by fertile farmland and low mountains. Sound Picturesque. Sounds pretty good in 1906. Yes, right? Like pretty much as good as it can be. Well, and it's just before World War One is going to probably before, cause some devastation. It's also just before like major industrialization, too. Mm. I mean, it had already started, but it didn't reach everywhere in the world and by 1906. It took mm-hmm. a little bit longer. But yeah, that sounds pretty picturesque. Mm. I'm sure I could live there. Um, what did... what? Oh my goodness, I'm sorry. We are recording this at like midnight, so... My brain's not here. You just said a world. Oh, industrialization, mm-hmm. Mr. North Country. Yes. Sounding like a Canuck eh? after we uh, visited Lake Placid. Forgot to mention that. I mentioned it in our Facebook discussion group, but we did get to see a game on the ice of the miracle. Yes, we did. <laughs> the ECAC so. championship game. Indeed. We saw um, Colgate upset Harvard. Yes. And it is of the toothpaste, did I tell you? It's yes, the they, Colgate yes. of Colgate mm-hmm. Palmolive. That's what yeah. the university is ultimately named after. Indeed. Anyway, back yes. to Germany. Yes. <laughs> Located 50 kilometers or 31 miles southwest of Stutt- oh, sorry. Stuttgart. Stuttgart. Mm-hmm. It could be a whole world away from that industrial metropolis. While today Nagold boasts a population of over 20,000, at the turn of the 20th century, it was little more than a village, with about 3,500 people calling its narrow streets and ancient houses home. Nestled on the corner of Marktstrasse and Hirschstrasse, across from the town hall, was the Gustav Hirsch, the, sorry, the Gustav Hirsch, <laughs> constructed... Uh, like most buildings in the village, in the traditional half-timbered style, with the lower floor being built out of stone blocks. As was common, this lower story was a souterrain. What in the U.S. would be called a walk-down basement. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. I know what that is. 
The lower half of this floor was underground, as in a standard cellar, but the upper half rose above the ground, forming the foundation of the structure above. Yeah, sort of like half. Just like the house I grew up in. Did you, your basement wasn't completely underground? It was part, like, part exposed? Uh, yeah, yes, like just above the, but it was mostly underground, except for like a foot of it. Because you you have little transom windows or whatever. Yeah, Mm -hmm. mm mm-hmm. Yeah, I gotcha. But you could, I don't think any of those windows were ever open. Sure. They were just there. For light in the basement? I think so, yeah. But did you have a finished basement? Uh, kind of. A semi-finished, yeah. sort of. Was the, the washer and dryer almost always in the basement, yep. were they? <laughs> and it was my little, like, uh, playroom for, you know, probably till I was like, eh, probably till I was like 16 or 17. I made like a, like a whole, well, what Danny has in the garage. Oh, but like I, a but, little. But I didn't have shooting tiles, but that's where I, <laughs> that's where I, uh, learned how to practice my shot. Okay. So I made, like, I drew, like, a net on the wall. Aw, that's so, cute. And just always aimed for, like, certain spots. Yeah. Yeah, that's very cute. Well, I'm sure you didn't mean it to be cute, but it's very, that, that's I was training. <laughs> nice. I was training. You're training I was, hardcore. I was trying yeah. to get to the, the big leagues. Of there you go. The NHL, which I would never even come close to sniffing. <laughs> <laughs> But one of my nephews might be. Who yeah. Knows? Who, who knows? Trending it's, that way it's, a bit. Uh, it's a little crazy to think about. It is. It is. I really hope he ends up on the Canes. Yeah, that would be awesome. Just saying. Yeah, it would be very awesome. Be like, let's go to Sebastian Ajo's house. <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> I, would, I would like to meet Sebastian Ajo. He seems so sweet. He seems like such a sweet boy. He was the uh, first star tonight against uh, Toronto. Oh, okay. Had the game-winning goal with like a minute and 30 left. Nice. that's what he does. No, that's what... That's what the Aho does. Mm-hmm. <laughs> sea bass does, yep. right? Yeah. Um, Germany. <laughs> yeah, sea bass is from Finland. So <laughs> yes. <it's close. laughs> Getting back to Germany, though. So uh, the the sort of upper half rising above the ground um, basement was an effective way to add extra usable space to the building by allowing even the cellar to have small windows, something highly desirable in a time before widespread electricity in small towns and rural areas. Natural light, so yeah. While a prime location, the site had tragedy in its past. In 1852, a previous building on the site had burned during a fire that had ravaged much of the town's center. Rebuilt, the Gastoff Zumhirsch. Thank you, Mick, very much for... He puts the pronunciation after every single time because I would have had to look back otherwise. Anyway, of 1906, featured the walk-down cellar, two full floors, and an attic. The Gashtoff served a myriad of purposes for the community, functioning as a pub, a de facto community center, and as an inn. That kind of makes sense for back in the day, like a community building, common house sort of kind of thing. Yeah, they were all over the place back then. Yeah, yeah. There was ice, there were ice houses, you know, in the wintertime, you know, for keeping, you know, animals that you'd caught cold. So you oh, could... preserve preservation, mm-hmm. like a refrigerator, yep. basically. Pretty much. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Instead of having, because you couldn't have, nobody really had their own even back in 1906. Yeah, ice boxes were still a very new thing. That would have been a little later, right? So, yeah, you would have had like an ice house or a community center. So, where everybody did their trading and right. all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. and. Here, I made you a chair. <laughs> awesome. Here's some venison. There you, you go. Know. 
Um, on the lowest floor were housed a woodshed and a barn area, while on the next level one could find two rooms, a kitchen, and an apartment, while the top floor housed a larger event hall and guest rooms. Sounds like a very large building. While the kitchen served the guests, either those staying overnight or just stopping by for a beer, the building was also often used by local clubs and civic groups as a meeting place. Man, I don't like this. I know, right? Including a sports and gymnastics club and a choral group. Here's a postcard of Noggled circa 1906. It kind of looks like what I had pictured in my mind. The little, um, it reminds me kind of uh, uh, the Von Trapp. Like, except That's, years earlier, I guess. Yeah, the the village size is a little bigger than what I had in mind, but I had, like, what it had The in picturesque. Yeah, yeah, the mountains in the back. Mm-hmm, and... mm-hmm. Um, have you ever heard of the Black Forest mm-hmm. of Germany? Yep. Yeah. A lot mm-hmm. of battles were fought there. Oh, okay. I, a, I'm pretty sure during World War II it was a fallback position. I knew about it because the denomination I grew up in, the Christian Missionary Alliance, um... Like, it's a thing, apparent. Well, I know it's a thing that a lot of missionaries who go overseas, they're, like, to be missionaries in other countries, frequently send their children to boarding school. Sure. Which is interesting. <laughs> because it's like, let's have all these children and then send them away. Um, because we're doing our work instead. It's interesting. But <laughs> um, one of the big... Uh, uh, I don't know if it's still around, but one of the big boarding schools for MKs or missionary kids uh, was in Black Forest in Germany. Okay. So, of the CNMA. So, anyway, in a small town. Before the ease of travel by high-speed train or automobile that makes Nagold an attractive bedroom community for Stuttgart's economic colossus, owning and operating an establishment like the Hirsch would have been an attractive and enviable economic proposition, a diverse business that was well-established in a community and provided several in-demand services, lodging, food, drink, a gathering place, right at the center of town. Thus, it is easy to imagine... Oh, boy. Theodor Nodek. Noidek. Theodor Noidek. <laughs> this is... Oh, this is worse than when I've been drinking. I've not been drinking. <laughs> you haven't. Theodor Noidek's yeah, <laughs> joy at Christmas 1905 when his father-in-law, with the surname of Klein, sold over ownership and the running of the establishment to him. Okay. Mm, that's a big gift. Yes. Uh, Noidek had big plans for the business and wished to add a larger ballroom to the Gashtof in order to ho- allow him to host larger parties and celebrations there, a sure way to bring in more business. There was, however, one inescapable problem. Space. Sure. There was nowhere to add this ballroom, not in the attic, nor in the cellar, and the two main floors were already full with the pub, apartment, event room, and guest rooms. In a town like Nagold, building outwards wasn't an option. The concept of urban sprawl unimaginable and indeed impossible given the old streets and tightly packed buildings. Noidek couldn't merely tack on an additional an addition out back, as would likely be done in newer cities or today's suburbs. But word of mouth gave him a brilliant idea. Why not build up instead of out? That seems like a very difficult... 
I mean, it's not unheard of to build an additional floor mm-hmm. on a building. No. But this is already like a three-story building in the early 1900s. Yeah, like, Let's, we can put another floor up there. I feel like the nope, foundation nope, no may problem. become a problem. I'm not no positive, but... Do we do we have the two by fours five feet apart? <laughs> like, yeah. Right. Because exactly. you wouldn't. Because unless you're building up, you don't need them close together, like like we do. You know. Right. The foundation has yeah. to be built with the idea of how yes. far up can you yeah. build. But something tells me that this is yeah. regular, like building regulation and building code was not. Or even like non-existent. <laughs> or yes, in existence. I mean, really, this is mm-hmm. this is still where in an age where I mean, steel isn't really even widely available for anybody yet. So, yeah. So construction... And this is all wood and stone. Well, yeah. construction has to be done with wood. There's pretty much no other material that you're going to use. And it's kind of like, in some ways, like, a comp- like what can we build? Right, like, yeah. Like, can we go up another, you know... Mm-hmm. A lot of people, and I'm guessing that's where this story's going to wind up. We know it is. Yeah. Uh, find out the hard way, like, no, you can't. You have to plan for that. Yes. Uh-huh. So er- Erasmus Ruckauer was known throughout the area as a man to go to if you wanted to increase your building size without building outwards. It's a very specific specialty. I mean, just building a structure in Fallout 4 just came to mind. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> even, though I can't, even though if you are good enough, you can uh-huh. get concrete. Really? Yes, you can. Okay. And steel. Mm. But you build plenty of places with just wood. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you're like, is that foundation okay? <laughs> Do they ever collapse? Uh, if they get fired on, yeah. Oh, sure. okay. Hey. <laughs> After careful study of similar practices in the United States, oh, never, never study what we do. <laughs> anyway, Rookgauer had developed a method of lifting buildings, allowing more space to be added from beneath. Interesting. Yeah. Using a system of posts, beams, yeah. rollers, and large winches. That's crazy. By the spring of 1906, he had lifted a total of 80 buildings. That's insane. It is a little. It is a little <laughs> out there. That must have. That must have been all he was ever doing, <laughs> like just going around town. Hey, I can lift your house. Yeah, that's a lot of buildings. <laughs> yeah. But he he was known through the area, so maybe it wasn't just yeah, the town. It because was... he was going around town lifting buildings. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, oh, you're the guy that lifts like, buildings. Like every second or third home, like by this point, has to have been lifted. Right. <laughs> you know. So. <laughs> While one attempt near Baden-Baden, some 75 kilometers or 46 miles to the northwest, had ended in the building collapsing, the other uh, lifts were successful. Uh, That's 79 out of 80. That's still, I don't like that. <laughs> pretty good, though. I mean, really, from a, we're talking 1906, that's, that's a pretty damn good safety record. That's the best yeah, it's ever going to be. Okay. That's a good safety record for today. Like, it really is. That one out of 80 buildings of yours collapses, that's not a great record. No, it's not. No, it's not. Imagine. No, 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 I don't mean it is in reality. I mean, you know what I mean. Like, it is from for a fractional perspective. Like, it only no, happens. But, okay, so imagine you're building, like, one of those planned bedroom communities, right? Like, houses. That is true. And That's you build 240 houses say, and three using, of them collapse. Because you're using That's a lot a of buildings. <laughs> yes. I didn't, I didn't see it. I didn't see it that way, but yeah. yes, you, you are correct. Yeah. That's not a great record, actually. For back then, okay, maybe, but yeah, it's not a good then, record now. Back then, it probably is. They were probably like the gold standard. Uh, 
All right, so the other lifts were successful, including the lifting of the Gashtov Zumgrunenbaum with bow, like what you do when you meet the queen. Okay, yes, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Zumgrunenbaum in Altensteiger. Altensteiger, just up the road. Sometimes I, like, my last name it's is German. It is. So is mine. Yeah, apparently, yeah. <laughs> If it seemed to to Noydek a genius solution to his quandary to lift the building, and he submitted his proposal for the lift and renovations to the town's master builder, Josef Lang, who signed off on them. It could be Joseph. I don't know how they pronounce it in Germany. But here is an example of one of the lifted buildings and them lifting it. That's crazy. Isn't that wild? That looks insane. <laughs> It's not a small building either. It's like a barn. No, it's huge. Yeah. Gives a new, yeah, it gives a new meaning to barn raising. Huh? Yeah, there's shit. Literally that's, that's physically crazy. raising it. <laughs> so Rob Gower was contacted and he submitted a bid with an estimated cost for the procedure listed as 4,000 mark. As was his... I'm sure that that's basically impossible to figure out what that would be equivalent to in U.S. dollars today because he did to do the currency and all that. As was his custom, he came to inspect the Gashtov, doing a walkthrough of the interior, but performing no further examinations of the structure. Eh. It seemed like pretty, pretty firm pretty walls. Sturdy. We're good. We're good. <laughs> I'm liking it. I'm liking what I'm seeing. You know, I've got I've got a 79 out of 80 success yes. rate with these buildings. I know what I'm talking about. I'm on track for success. Oh my God. The city council agreed to the plans in March of 1906 with additional caveats, including, one, that a portion of the Marktstrasse, upon which the Gashtoff was located, would be cordoned off during the lifting of the structure. Okay, yes, please. That's called a safety zone, and that's a good idea. At least they were kind of on the safety zone. At least a little bit back yeah, then. Yeah. They're like, this might not be the best thing to... Maybe we should just yeah. make sure no one's on the street, like, yeah. gawking up at the building, yeah. you know. Uh, two, that the area within four meters or 13 feet of the structure would be cordoned off and inaccessible to the public during the lifting of the structure. Just to be clear, that's 13 feet of clearance. Yes, it is. That's not much. No. <laughs> Especially since the building is taller than that. So yes. if it tips to one side or, you know. That's right. That may be what we're about to find out. <laughs> oh, shit. And know. three, that warning signs would be posted and the area would be lit at night during the lifting of the structure. I love how I mean, those that, were the caveats. Yeah. Like, that was, like, now you're going to have to do this. Not that they were going to do that on their own anyway. At least they were kind of thinking about, like I said, like, this is the best that, that you could expect. It's not nothing. No. At least they had some of the basics out of the way. Okay, the public can't be around. Nobody inside the building. Let's not try that again. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know. <laughs> so. <laughs> you know. This isn't an arc, people. Yeah. It's like, you know. It's like in in, uh, in the office when he's like, he's like, where should we go? Uh, what is it? The... The pizza place, the kids' pizza place, Chuck E. Cheese. And he's like, I'm so sick. Of yeah, I'm so sick of Chuck E. Cheese. <laughs> we're, we're going to the hospital. Oh. <laughs> All right. So further guidelines and ordinances were not given to Rockauer, Lang, or Noydek. Almost sounds like Rousdauer. It does sound like Rousdauer. 
Um, it is easy to forget in the age of, <laughs> quote, Insta Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, and Twitch, yes. unquote. Thank, Thank you. you. <laughs> that entertainment was, for a very great part of history, not something that one had easy access to, especially mm-hmm. in a small town like Nagold. There would occasionally be a puppet show. That's a. I was just gonna say. I was like. Puppets? I was like somebody with puppets, like probably put on a show. I was like, that was your yes, entertainment, like Punch and Judy or something like yeah. that. If that was, a I was, thing, I right was then, jokingly I gonna say that though. No, apparently so. <laughs> I was like, they at least had dolls back then, right? Like <laughs> yes. something. Well, and or like or like Mc... the wheel thing, like from the Revolutionary War. <laughs> the wheel thing from the, the it war. was like a wagon wheel, and you oh keep, the keep, the uh, bike the that, that you run down. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. so entertaining. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean something. <laughs> there were different bars for what was entertaining. That's why then. baseball games back in the day lasted five hours because right. it was something to do for five hours. Unfortunately. Unfortunately, they still last five hours, and the league is finally catching up to the point, like, people don't have five hours to spend. They, it's boring. Come on, move <laughs> yeah, along. Let's, let's put a pitch mm. count in. Uh, or, for example, a local theater production could also happen, and you could look forward to the village carnival once or twice a year. Of course you could. But excitement and distraction weren't otherwise necessarily easy to come by. Besides the newspaper and books, you might be lucky enough to have access to a Victrola. Oh. But those were still the preserve of the wealthy. With this in mind, perhaps it's no surprise that the people people of Noggold were enchanted by the idea of an entire building being lifted in... Frankly, I would want to see this. I too. would want to see it today, yeah. <laughs> yes. Being lifted into the air and dozens turned out to watch on the morning of oh, April 5th man. when Rukgauer arrived to work his magic. Well, sometimes you see on the road that they'll be lifting like... Or, or the, the the wide load trucks. Yeah. They'll literally have a giant caravan they on will. a highway where they're lifting an entire, usually like a mobile home type yeah. size thing. And they have so. hydraulics on those trucks. Oh, yes. So. It, it, it is not <laughs> it's this. It's not this. It's, I'm like, how do you, I mean, obviously he's an engineer of some sort, but how do you even come up with this? Like, I, I mean, he did come up with a... A 79 out of 80 success rate with this system. Again, like, you know, not bad. Well, it's not... Not ideal. It's not zero out of 80. It is not. (laughs) (laughs) That would be way worse. I don't think he he would have gotten 80 chances if that that was the case. I wonder if the one that... Like, after, like, the sixth time, they would have been like, I don't think this is going to work. Was the one that failed the first one? Probably not, because they were probably trying with smaller... Yeah, like, they sized probably, up gradually in the structures. Yeah. Like, we'll start with a shed first. Right. Yeah, <laughs> that's probably in, like... And then we can uh-huh. kind of figure out the math from there. Well, it weighed right. this much, we used this much, yeah. I wonder if you tried it with, like, a, mo- a scale model first. Probably. Like a little wooden model. Yeah, probably. Work began Back prom- when men were men, they could just <laughs> suddenly lift houses out of the out of the ground. Men have always been men, and we have suffered throughout history for that exact reason. Yeah, most of us have. Work began promptly at 7 that morning, with Noydeck providing a troop of 20 local men to act as laborers. That seems like a small number of people to do all that work, but anyway. Doing the heavy lifting and grunt work, while Rockgauer arrived... Rolkauer, Rolkauer, Roused Hour. arrived <laughs> with his foreman and seven employees to guide, supervise, and aid in the work. 
The building was separated from the stone foundation slash basement level and an array of beams were installed under, sorry, were installed for the winches to rest under. Okay. Attracted by the spectacle, a crowd gathered, including local tradesmen and members of the the sports club and a choral group. That's a very diverse crowd. Um, even more arrived, and the atmosphere was one of excitement and merriment, with a group of locals, oh god, even inside the <laughs> celebrating as the building was being raised into the air. Oh my so, god. So, yes, I, I there was, were people, you were joking. I was only fucking kidding. Yeah, they were not. Oh my god. Like, okay. They are probably going, Wee! <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, they probably were. They were probably drunk as shit, too. Uh, hopefully for their sake, because I don't think this is going to end well. Um, after all, what a novelty. And why not? Neither Rook Gower nor the city council had forbidden people <laughs> being inside the building during the work. You know what? We hadn't thought of that. Only what? the passers-by weren't allowed to approach the outside of why the structure. Why don't you put people in there? Oh, my God. In photos taken that morning, it is plain to see the large crowds gathered around the building, seemingly not outside of the four-meter radius mandated by the city council. And you can see there's a picture there. Uh, No. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) that's that's the right answer. Don't do that picture. Don't do that. (laughs) The buttresses and beams are also visible, as well as the black void where the building has been separated from the foundation well above the heads of the crowd. Excited to help, many in the crowd began to aid in cranking the winches that would bring the building skyward. While Rook Gower, Noidek, Lang, and the foreman were theoretically, theoretically in charge of monitoring the winches and workmen to ensure that the building was raised in an even and controlled fashion. Can you imagine like a construction, like even like they're building a house or something <laughs> like, and just like, people hey. are coming along and <laughs> grabbing a hammer hey. and... Can you uh, come and help me with this wench? Oh my God. <laughs> or like roadside construction. Somebody uh, just yeah, shows yeah. up and like, hey, I can drive the bulldozer. Like, like you, yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> you look like you know how to use a backloader. <laughs> At around 8 in the morning, an hour after work began, local Balrat, building, which is building commissioner, Schmid, would later recall that the facade of the house facing the Markstrasse appeared to be lower than the rest of the building. Mm. The first indication that the winching was uneven. I can't imagine why. It is unclear if he or anyone else alerted Rock Gower or any of the other men in charge of this, of the, the uneven. Mm-hmm. At a quarter to nine, this facade began to separate oh, from the main Jesus. structure of the house. And by nine, the roof tiles were beginning to shift. And within half an hour, the rear wall of the staircase within the house separated. That reminds me, like, you know those old, um, those super old, uh, like, western, uh, 
movie villages that they do in like super oh, yeah. westerns mm-hmm. and like the the or no the charlie chaplin mm-hmm. like the famous uh charlie chaplin stunt that he could have died in mm-hmm. where the whole front of the building fell and yeah. he, like he right fit through, through the him. door yes. yeah um that's what that reminds me of the facade actually like becoming and also this is over a period of time so it's like who is recognizing this like, and what who's, is who's going in, on? Who's in charge here? Yeah. Like, should we stop doing this? Oh, my God. Several cracks were also spotted in the walls of the building, but it appears... It's 1 a.m. <laughs> it, it appears. Uh, ...that the work continued uninterrupted, along with the party inside, with Roke Gower assuring yeah, those on site that all would be well. Yeah, I'll be fine. It's all, it's all good. A reminder, I have done 79 of 80 of these successfully. By 11, experienced workers refused to continue and walked off the job. Wow. But their places were filled by inexperienced and novelty see- by the inexperienced and novelty seeking who were happy to continue winching despite the clearly disintegrating building above them. At lunchtime, the southern gable was, according to Schmidt, about six centimeters lower than the northern one, Mm. and the building was quite obviously at risk of collapse. Lifting beneath the kitchen was stopped, likely to allow winching under other portions to continue in an effort to level out the structure. A stone was reported to fall out of the wall beneath the kitchen window, and more roof tiles We're falling into the street. At this point, I feel like it's a runaway train. Like it's, it can't, can't stop, won't stop. Mm -hmm. At a quarter to one in the afternoon, a massive groan was heard. Work still continuing as the building began to pivot on the winches. First towards the south and then towards the north before collapsing. With the roof caving in and the walls bowing Boeing, sorry, while walls bowing out into the streets, creating a massive pile of rubble and an enormous cloud of dust and debris. Massive oak beams, sandstone blocks, insulating straw, thick boards, and clay roof tiles all came crashing down upon the crowd, the workers, and those who had been inside the pub, creating a, quote, quote, 20-meter-long stage upon which the disaster was played out. End quote. Um, here's a picture. Oh, Jesus. Oh, my God. Like, it just, like, disintegrated. It's mm-hmm. kind of a proper term for it. I can see why Mick called this the, you know, the Hirsch, catas- Hirsch catastrophe. Because it's not really a building collapse as such. No. It's... It's a very it's an odd. Engi- it's, a, it's an engineering, engineering disaster. Fail. It is. It is. Yeah. It is. Yeah. I mean, something. When you read that, I was initially thinking six centimeters. But when you're trying to balance a yes, building of several stories, yes, mm-hmm. that is sixty feet long. Yeah. Uh, yeah, six it centimeters. Matters. Because then all these joints are being stressed where yes. they should be. Yes. Evenly uh-huh. carrying the weight, uh-huh. and that's how the it's just fuck that yeah 52 people died in the immediate aftermath with local chief medical officer dr fricker 
stating that the that most of the victims died by a combination of blunt force trauma and suffocation oh, in the rubble. A 53rd victim, Gottlob Mueller, would pass away from his injuries in the following days. As rescue efforts got underway, the dead were carried across the square to the city hall. Well, good, where those fuckers did no help, nothing to help or enforce, you know, any um, regulation. And the wounded were tended to with the help of medical professionals and supplies brought in by train from the nearby city of Kalf. Many of the injured suffered from severe internal injuries, yeah. which were difficult to treat on site and required the transfer of these patients to hospitals in the wider region. Entire families were wiped out, as an entry in the Hiller family's Bible rec- records. Quote, on the 5th of April, 1906, my father, L. Hiller, was rescued after two and a half hours in the rubble with a broken arm. Mm. End quote. The entry goes on to detail that while Ludwig Hiller survived, he lost a cousin in the collapse. A local pastor and his young daughter were pulled lifeless from the pile of debris. Many more were uncovered along with them, all victims of hubris and carelessness on the part of the foreman and, above all, Rokgauer, who is himself freed from the disaster site, injured but alive. Word spread quickly with reports appearing that day in... Schwabisches Merkur. <laughs> Quote, telegram. Noggled, today at midday and three quarters of an hour, a terrible disaster occurred. The Gausthaus Zum Hirsch, which was recently being lifted by the contractor Rockgauer, suddenly collapsed upon itself, while many guests, estimated range from 100 to 300, we're partaking in a celebratory meal. <laughs> so dumb. Currently, one dead after another. One dead. Uh, well, one dead after another, sorry, removed from the ruins. The scope of the disaster is not yet clear. End quote. Sure. Quickly and not surprisingly, as word spread, Nod Gold became a site for disaster tourism. Ooh. With people coming from Stuttgart and other cities to see the rubble and try to catch a glimpse of the wounded or the dead. That's really fucked up. Yeah. I guess they were hurting for entertainment because that's like fucked up. Postcards were even printed, capitalizing on the tragedy and the town's 15 minutes of fame. So it was like the photograph was printed on a postcard. Yeah. That's... Wow. Well, I mean. Yeah. Okay. Gotta promote the town somehow, I guess. I, I, people have always been fucked up, I guess. <laughs> I'm, I mean, I'm sure death was looked at a little differently back then, too. But. It was, for sure. Yeah. And all sorts of sensibilities were different back then. Yeah. Because to them, like, in that, it's like, well, of course they tried to help, mm-hmm. like, raise the house. Right. When the when the when the professionals gave up, right? Like like, the, like of course. <laughs> what else were we to Like do? of course, Bob and Steve and Jim were like, "Yeah, we got it from here." Right. Like you know. That Sunday, locals reported that the street through town was a quote giant cloud of dust. I'm sure. Quote, as onlookers drove through, and publishing houses quickly began producing booklets and brochures about the disaster including an apocryphal story of a young woman, the maid of the Noydek family, uh, yeah, had experienced a dream shortly before the collapse, huh? A sort of premonition. Yeah, I'm sure that was legit. 
While these brochures detailed miraculous rescues, they often focused on the grisly details of the many deaths. Local and regional government acted quickly, with the city council convening just two days later to discuss the response. It was decided that the town should pay for the burial of the victims, their cemetery plots, and for a memorial chapel in the cemetery to be erected, with funds generously provided to rent and maintain the plots and prevent any changes to be made to the memorial before the year 2000. Wow. That's some foresight, I guess. Um, short digression. Cemeteries and burial law in Germany. Hmm. For the American audience... Currently or back then? I don't know. Let's find out. Mm. For the American audience, that is us, it is enshrined in our case law, Yom v. Gorman, for example, that the dead shall not be disturbed and the exhumation of human remains is only permitted under very specific circumstances and with much court oversight. Thus, the concept of renting a burial plot as opposed to purchasing one is extremely foreign. And the above paragraph mentioning paying for the maintenance of the grave until 2000 probably sounded very odd. This actually made me think of... Um, it sounded the, like a very... That's a very long-term investment there, sir. Right? <laughs> no, it made me think of the um, the ghosts of... Or the mummies of Guanajuato episode that we did. Remember... They, um, uh, people who couldn't afford to maintain the graves of their families were like, okay, we're going to dig them up and put them in a, you know. Mm -hmm. So in Germany, and indeed many other countries, burial plots are not purchased, but rented. A minimum rental period is required, of course, to ensure that no bodies are disinterred before they have decomposed. Yeah, the minimum rental now is 2100. Right. Like, you have to rent until then. Right. (laughs) But after 10, 15, or 20 years, depending on local laws, you either have to continue paying for the grave or the headstone will be removed and the plot reused. This is common knowledge, and while many families do continue to pay for the graves of their ancestors to be maintained, that would really add up over time. Many choose not to, and it is not as much of a taboo as our American sensibilities might expect. While not regulated on a federal level, each German state has local ordinances and state laws regarding the minimum rest period. Rest period. Uh, which is also called the Mindestruhzeit. Ruhzeit. Okay. Nagold, sure. now located in Baden-Württemberg, is subject to the following state law, Section 6 of the Bestattungsgesetz. Bestattungsgesetz. Okay. Chapter or section six, section one. Each cemetery or a subsection, subsection, that's what the little thingy is. Anyway, each cemetery in consultation with the local department of health shall determine the length of the period during which the graves may not be occupied again. Ruazite arrest period. This period is to be determined by the period of decomposition of the deceased. It is at least six years for children who died before the age of two, at least 10 years for children who died before the age of 10, and at least 15 years for the others. Oh, my God. This is really gruesome. The minimum uh, ruazite must also be observed for the ashes of the deceased. Section two, bones, remains, and urns with the ashes of the deceased found after the end of the ruazite are to be buried in a suitable manner within the cemetery or at sea. This also applies to urns that were buried in columbaria as defined in blah, blah, blah. 
In plain speech, the local health department determines how long, on average, it will take for bodies of various sizes and ages to decompose to bone, and these estimates are the basis for the legally binding minimum grave rental period. This is quite a thing. After this period ends, the family of the deceased is free to either continue paying the rental slash maintenance fees as set by the cemetery, or to allow the remains to be exhumed and anonymously buried in an unmarked section of the cemetery or at sea with the grave plot then cleared of the headstone and ready to be used again. Okay. Regardless of whether the deceased was buried or cremated, these rules are required to be adhered to, even in Columbaria, which are facilities exclusively devoted to housing cremated remains in urns. Um, I highly recommend a recent episode of Factually with Adam Conover, where they discussed burying rituals in America, basically, like how the funeral industry is held and how not good it is, and options for green burials, other things like that. Me, myself, I'm going to a body farm. Yes. Let me decompose and solve crimes. (laughs) It's pretty metal, in my opinion. Um, So I guess I shouldn't be too shocked by this, (laughs) but it is pretty... Well, I mean, it's interesting. Yeah. It's interesting. And I guess common. So, mm-hmm. okay. Um, end of digression. Thank you for bearing with that. No, that was that was very educational. Thus decided that the city would fund the burials in a memorial. The funerals for the victims were arranged for that afternoon, with the city providing music and a car to pick up visiting regional government figures as guests of honor. An aid association was set up to provide for the families the victims had left behind, and fundraising was held to help support the injured. The aid association endured for years. Payments were still being made even 36 years later in 1942, which is Nazi Germany, by the way. very much so. When six widows and six children were still being provided for. Wow. Okay. Buried in their own section of the cemetery, the victims were given individual plots and matching headstones centered around a memorial chapter that chapel that lists, lists their names. The city paid for the cleanup and removal of the debris, and the questions quickly began flying. How on earth had this tragedy happened? Hmm. I wonder. If only we knew. <laughs> Balrat Schmidt immediately began a thorough investigation, analyzing the rubble and interviewing witnesses, as well as Rockauer himself as he received as he recovered from his wounds. Understandably, Rockauer immediately became the key person of interest in Schmidt's investigation. On the 16th of April, he wrote to Schmidt, Myself and my people expelled the intruders from our place of work. But I had not power over the guests and friends of Noydeck, the owner, who wanted to immediately open the pub in the upper story. Some of these people came from quite far away and wanted to be lifted in the pub, the pub celebrated with music and the advertisement of a festive meal, of which I had not been previously made aware. But it was not the guests on this level that caused the disaster, but those on the floor above them. They ran to and fro between the windows and would have made the building shift until it finally collapsed. Um, I don't think that was it. No. <laughs> I don't think that was the whole problem. No. Also, I love the, 
it's not my fault that these people were inside. No, but you still continued <laughs> yes, on yes, with this. I mean, that, uh-huh. again, we I, it's just the cavalier attitude of back then. Mm-hmm. Just, hey, yeah. what if we partied in the house that they're trying to raise from the ground? I mean. It's such a bad idea. People yeah. have such terrible ideas. Yeah. When the trial inevitably began on the 15th of October that same year at the state court in Tübingen, Rookgauer maintained this explanation of the disaster, which was backed up by the testimony of his foreman, Kubler. Needless to say, this was not a sufficiently satisfying explanation for the loss of 53 lives and the grievous injuries of many more, and the court quickly began to question the contractor's decision-making capabilities and judgment. In particular, the question of whether Rokgauer had been drunk during the work and subsequently tragi- and subsequent tragedy was raised. This is great. <clears throat> His physician described him as a, quote, habitual drunk, end quote, and being of the, quote, sanguine type, end quote, i.e. lively adventurous and with a high risk tolerance which is what you want from an engineer right you want an engineer with a high risk tolerance that's the guy kind of guy that makes the decision sure you can party yeah. in the house while we're you know exactly it's lifting not my, it off the i have no call on that yeah <clears throat> excuse me this presumed inherent willingness to take risks paired with the suspicion that he had been under the influence of alcohol served to bolster the general feeling that he had been negligent at best And willfully careless at worst. Despite the testimony of the owner of the pub, Zum Gruenbaum, Louis, oh sorry, Louis Kapler, whose building had been raised with great success by Rokgauer three years prior, that wasn't the one of 80, that the contractor had indeed refused a glass of wine offered by Kapler, with the explanation that he couldn't drink on the job site. This did little to sway public opinion. The trial ended on the 20th of October, 1906, and Rook would be sentenced to a mere six months in prison. Though an appeal was filed, this was not successful, and he was scheduled to begin serving his sentence in June 1907 in Rottenburg, which is a good name for a prison. Alas, before he could begin his sentence, his health seriously deteriorated, and Rook died on the 31st of May. Wow. Just the, I mean... Yeah. Okay. Like right before. Yeah. Today, the town of Nogold maintains its storybook charm, though surrounded by more modern expansion, with suburbs having popped up in the years following the Second World War, as the rise of cars and high-speed trains enabled it to develop into a bedroom community for nearby industrial centers. The core of the old town still boasts the same half-timbered architecture, and most of the same buildings that would have existed in 1906, with the fateful site of the Gasthaus Zum Hirsch having been rebuilt quickly after the tragedy. It now appears to house a shop on the ground floor and apartments above. The graves and memorial tomb of those lost in the disaster are still maintained and paid for, likely by the city, though I could not find any hard facts as to the source of the funding since the year 2000, and stand in the cemetery as a testament to the horrible events of that spring day and not gold's short, horrifying time okay. in the spotlight. There's the rebuilt house and the chapel and the cemetery. Oh, yeah. 
It actually looks pretty nice. Mm-hmm. Well, it's mm-hmm. cool architecture, that half yeah. timber style, very, you know, old school. And that, my friends, oh. was the story of the Hirsch catastrophe. That is wild. Thank you, Don't, Vic. I uh, wouldn't have yeah, I mean, ever heard of it or known of it. No, but think of how many of these we could do all over the world. I'm sure this wasn't the only place that this happened at this time, and it was just, it was almost quite literally like trial and error. Like yeah. just, just over 100 years ago. Yeah. It's like, what can we think of? Can we pull it off? And how few people can die in the process. Hopefully. But I don't, I'm not I'm not even sure if they're thinking about right, that. Right, probably not. <laughs> yeah, the fewer the better for right, maybe sure. insurance reasons. <laughs> right. You know, but sometimes maybe the more the better due to insurance reasons. We've been over that same scenario before. Yes, uh-huh. Like back then people used to literally set their own places on fire to collect on right, the insurance. Right, sure. And if mm-hmm. somebody was in the building, oh well. Yeah. But, I mean, I'm trying to think of what it would look like. In Germany in mm-hmm. 1906, to watch a how or in this case a barn. Well, uh, no, it was a it was a, well, a community yeah, a community house center, a, a yeah. large building. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> be lifted off the ground. I mean, I'm sure it's a sight. Mm-hmm. You know, it's something you would want to see. I would want it, like we said, I would want to see it today. Right. If it was going on down the street, I'd be like, yeah. yes, but I would not grab on to one of the windows no. and participate. I would not. I would. I would be, also watch from a very safe distance. I was gonna say it would be a good fifty yards away. Be like, I can see it from here. That's, be down that's, the road. That's good. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that works. But yeah. Like, if this I mean, collapsed, would I be in its path? If the answer is yes, well, go mean, farther away. I mean, that's why they call you know people who cut down trees widow makers because yeah, you're uh-huh. cutting it to make it fall a certain way, but there are times where yeah. that's that doesn't always happen. Jeez. So <laughs> engineering. <laughs> Sometimes it's trial and error. <laughs> I mean, it, it, yeah. I mean, really. Apparently. Somebody. Back in the day. I mean, even if you do come up with a formula and decide to like, all right, let's give it a shot. There's no guarantee. I mean, now uh, for the most part, it can be pretty close to it. Certainly sure. not. Hey, what was I supposed to do? These people were in the building. There's nothing I could have done about it. I mean, I tried to get a ticket to have a party in the... That's probably what they did. They had, like, a right. raffle. Mm-hmm. I should be lauded. I turned down a glass of wine. There you go. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Thank you, Mick. That was very well done. Even I... As always. It, this could only happen in reality. Like, <laughs> right? You couldn't make up this shit. I mean, so I've okay. tried to make something happen like this in Fallout 4, but it, 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 you, <laughs> right? can't, you can't even do this in a video game. Right? It's beyond imagination and can only happen in reality. Uh, yeah, I mean, this is nuts. I, I mean, I'm, I'm so happy I was born in 1977, where we had learned some lessons. Yeah, we're still <laughs> and, working on it. Yeah. We're still learning them. But uh, in 1906, again, hmm. yeah. Yeah. Eh, what are you gonna do? He did like the math and shit. <laughs> it's, it's, it's gonna work. Was, there was a slight execution problem. Yeah. Yeah. The execution was the problem. Yeah. Yeah. That eighty-first building was a son of a bitch. No. No, that's a sign. It's a sign. It's time to wrap up. <laughs> yes. So that was the Hirsch catastrophe. This has been another episode of All Bad Things. I'm David. 
I'm Rachel. We'll see you next week. Shamrock Shakes, let's go! (laughs) (laughs) You like that one? I did.